Hello everyone, this is Ron Stiver, President of System Clinical Services. Pleased to be with you for what is our second podcast. And today I am fortunate to be joined by Dr. Ann Gilbert. Uh, Ann is a psychiatrist and serves as medical director of our behavioral health virtual care hubs, which Ann's gonna to talk to us a little bit more about today. And so we'll go back, so let me ask you a question I asked uh, our folks last time too. When you were, when you were 10 years old, did you know you wanted to be a psychiatrist or did no, you have different dreams at that point? No, no, um, not at all, actually. I wanted to be a mailman. <laughs> Um, <laughs> or male woman. Yeah. <laughs> or male woman, as the case may be. And um, I had a very specific male person I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be in a suburb uh, where I walked door to door and got to wear shorts and carried dog treats in my pocket to get to know all the dogs. So that was my aspiration when I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, and from there to uh, psychiatry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I've known you um, through multiple settings as an inpatient psychiatrist head of medical staff, now leading our virtual care hubs. And throughout all of those, you know, it strikes me you've always had clarity of purpose, one of our values. You've always been uh, fiercely loyal to your patients. Maybe you can uh, talk to us about, you know, how you came to psychiatry and what, what are the things that brought you here? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. So when I started medical school, psychiatry was not even on the radar. And um, the first hook that happened was I was in my, I think it was even a sophomore rotation, so we didn't have a lot of experience with real patients at that point in time. And in the rotation, um, it was the chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at the time, Hugh Hendry, that uh, brought for us um, into a classroom one of his patients that he currently had on the unit. And this gentleman uh, was um, a man that had a delusional disorder. He was a very high-functioning gentleman that was completely, um, uh, his, his mental status looked just great with one exception. He had a fixed delusion about the FBI following him around every place, so much so that it had started disrupting his uh, life. And it was, he, he sounded so consistent with this that after the interview was done, we asked the chairman, how do you, how do you know he's really not being followed by the FBI? And there were some uh, subtle telltale signs at that point in time, but at that point I was really hooked. Uh, and and tell me more about what are some of the things in along the way that further affirmed that purpose or there kind of key points along the way that further solidified that? Yes. Um, I still tried to, uh, as my parents said, become a, quotes, real doctor, in quotes, period. Um, <laughs> so I tried to sway myself several times away from psychiatry. Uh, but one of the things I also noticed is that when I was on my psychiatry rotations, I was never bored. People's stories, even with the same condition, were uh, uniquely intricate. Um, their stresses, even though we all have stresses, were completely different. Um, and I was um, so impressed with the ability to pe for people to withdure lots of um, hardship and fascinated by the differences in um, psychiatric um, systems and psychiatric uh, conditions. And you practice through the various settings. You know, I feel like a lot of progress has been made and, and hopefully a lot of stigma 
has been reduced, but, but uh, there's still misperceptions out there about the field. Talk about what some of those misperceptions yeah. are that, that I, still remain. There's, there's actually a lot of them, but I think the two main misperceptions are that it's, quotes, those people that get psychiatric problems. And in reality, it's not. It's all of us. One in four people worldwide will suffer from some sort of behavioral health condition in their lifetime. And one, you have a one in two chance of having um, either you or someone close in your family suffering from one. So it's all of us that suffer from these. Uh, the second thing that I think is a really interesting misconception, uh, and, and this happened when I was going into psychiatry or sometimes when I'm working with other medical specialties, people will say, oh my gosh, you know, I, you know, I can't believe you went into psychiatry, you know. Uh, you know, thank goodness you did, but I can't deal with that. And I think that says that the perception is that um, behavioral health or psychiatric conditions don't get better. And in reality, they really do. Um, uh, you know, we actually, although some of these conditions are chronic, they actually improve quite a bit, um, and um, many of them go away completely. So I, I think you know, people with psychiatric conditions, most of them are actually quite treatable. Only the, about a third of people worldwide actually get treatment for these conditions. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's the stigma? Do you think it's... Um, I, certainly there's a stigma um, aspect, and then there is an availability aspect. Uh, so, yeah. Both. Well, talk a little bit about that. I think the availability and access um, <laughs> to uh, people training in the behavioral field is a significant issue, not only across our system, across the state, across the country. Talk a little bit about the shortages, and, and it, it feels like there are shortages at the same time there's a growing demand. Yes, I, I think that's true. Um, for years, there's been certain conditions that have underfunded psychiatry as a profession. Uh, you know one having to do with uh, insurance plans that are fearful of treating it uh, because they see it as something that is uh, going to be expensive. Uh, in reality, what we know is if you look at the entire person, if you treat the psychiatric problem, that the cost to medical conditions go down quite a bit. Uh, so I think part of that is um, starting to, um, we're shedding light on that. Um, and insurance companies, along with some legislative changes, are changing their viewpoint on treating psychiatric conditions. Um, the second thing is there used to be quite a bit of public funding. Um, uh, when we um, closed a lot of the state hospitals, the change is we opened up a lot of community mental health centers, and over the years the funding for those centers have been chipped away at, um, and so they have had to reduce services. Well, that's probably a good segue into to virtual care. Um, you know, I think for a long time it's, it's been discussed that some of these types of technologies, um, coupled with the right clinical expertise, can help be a, a powerful tool. And it feels like we may be on the cusp of actually realizing the benefit of some of these things, too. To talk to our listeners about the, the work that we were fortunate to recruit you into mm -hmm. here and in, in the, the hubs that we're working on and the type of impact you think we can have. Yeah, I, um, this has actually gone um, even better than I expected it to, to be honest with you. So uh, when I left my other position, I wasn't quite ready back to, uh, ready to not 
start, you know, continue to give back a little bit. Um, we're ready to transition into delivering mail just not just not yet, yet. now that is still <laughs> that is still on my radar <laughs> although i hear it's hard to get into the post office these days so um so but i guess fedex might be an there option you there you <laughs> so uh yeah i was i you know i was ready to be giving up some of the inpatient role but i i thought oh you know i i still want to sort of give back here and i was looking for the right um situation so uh, when SES approached me about the virtual care, um, I came over, took a look, look at, looked at your equipment and said, hey, I think I can do this. I, I like this idea. So we started the hub here and um, the hub goes virtually to um, initially our emergency departments. Most of them rule that don't have any access to psychiatry. Um, and it's been fantastic. Uh, I wasn't sure actually how I would like the virtual platform, and I actually really love the virtual platform. Uh, there, it doesn't seem to impact our ability to uh, do a good assessment. Uh, the patients seem to like it well. Uh, they, uh, we have a natural interaction. We can actually then move them over if they need to see someone for chemical dependency. We can do that seamlessly. We don't even have to be in the same room. Um, and then after we're done, we can talk with the nurses virtually and the doctors virtually. So um, it's been fantastic. I've totally enjoyed working at the rural hospitals. Um, their clientele are long-suffering, if you will. They don't have a lot of services. Uh, they're excited, actually, to uh, talk to someone. So it's been a great experience. And to kind of talk to the... the listeners who may not be as familiar kind of how, how it actually works and someone presenting to the ED and just yeah. how your team then becomes engaged. Yeah. So um, someone with a potential mental health issue presents to the ED. Maybe they have come in voluntarily or maybe they've overdosed and come in by ambulance. Um, maybe they've uh, had suicidal thoughts and their family bring them in. So after the ED um, checks them out medically, uh, they will um, ring with our platform. Um, our platform looks like a little friendly white computer with an iPad for a face. <laughs> uh, what they will do on, on the iPad is um, a button that says psychiatric assessment and they just push that. Um, that rings to our hub here in Indianapolis. Um, we will get a, a signal that there is someone in the waiting room We'll hop on Cerner, check out their chart for five or 10 minutes, and then we will connect with the emergency room by video. Uh, the nurse tells us a little bit, um, wheels Bob Jr. into the room, um, and we talk with the patient. After we're done, we tell the patient to ring their nurse, um, and then the nurse wheels us out, and we sort of give an assessment. Um, if during that assessment, uh, we have therapists in the hub, we have psychiatrists and advanced practice nurses, and we also have peer recovery coaches. And peer recovery coaches are, are people that are in two years of recovery from their own substance use disorder, um, and they've been fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably about a third of the people we see with some sort of behavioral health issue may have um, concurrent issues with substances. So we can do the entire consult, the therapist will get on, she'll determine they need to see a psychiatrist, uh, she'll put me on the uh, platform, 
Um, I'll talk to the patient and then maybe we want the peer recovery coach to talk to the patient also. And then I will transfer the platform over to the peer recovery coach. We can both be on it at once and do a warm handoff. Um, so it's really actually very convenient and I'm gonna say it's also very green too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in, any particular patient stories that have resonated and just kind of shown the efficacy of this? And um, yeah, I, I have my favorite. Um, it's a story actually about one of our peer recovery coaches. And I was um, in the hub at the time and sort of listening uh, vaguely over my shoulder. And he gets on and this patient is, oh, she's not having it. She's she's uh she's upset she's not going to talk to anyone else she wants to leave it and he is so good with her he says oh, oh come on come on i'm just trying to help you um, and he tells a little bit of his own story and she starts listening to his story and uh, before you know it they've had a good interaction she's actually said you know I I was sober for a while I want to get sober again I want to go back actually she had been at the Methodist program she says I want to go back to the Methodist program so he says I can get that arranged for you um, and at the end of their interaction um, she has been so difficult and nasty to the ED staff he says to her they have such a relationship at the end he says now, I know you were sort of frightened about coming in and, and you thought you might be treated poorly, but you know, that nurse was just doing her job. Can you go back and, and tell that nurse you're sorry? And sure enough, she went back and told that ED nurse that she was sorry. So that's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, and, and you, you hit on a key point too, right? It's, it's uh, intervention right there too, but the goal is to get them into then a more uh, longitudinal yep. therapy mm -hmm. and programming as well, right? Yes, uh-huh. Okay. I mean, if you well first you, you mentioned some of the team too and i had the chance as you recall a few weeks ago to, to be with many members of the team and just how impressed i am of what's been accomplished in such a short time frame it's yeah. it's it's fantastic but talk a little bit about the team and okay we i i if i do say so myself we have a terrific team <laughs> um and everyone has a slightly different skill set they're all extremely excited about being able to provide care to people that were distant from that care. Um, and I, I just can't say enough about um, how this team has gelled. Well, you mentioned too, it's green, so we're early on, but, but improving, do you see a day where potentially, you know, our focus today is serving uh, within IU Health and our patients mm -hmm. are coming through our facilities, do you see a day where we can offer the, the services provided through the hub outside of IU Health? Oh, well? I definitely hope so. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of potentials in schools. I know several offices in the hub have um, a real passion for the homeless um, mm -hmm. and getting treatment for the homeless. Um, I can see law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement really is asking for help as they go out on their nightly rounds for, you know, is this a person that we need to take to the hospital? Um, are they applicable for like an emergency detention? Um, and it would be fun to be able to assist them in some way. And since we're 24 seven, I think we're uniquely situated uh, to be able to provide, you know, advice, treatment, care, no matter what time of day or night. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, again, incredibly proud of just what the team has accomplished in such a short time frame and really about the potential. Mm -hmm. I think uh, lots of excitement across the system about this, uh, lots of impact to be had. Our hope was that we get you involved in this and that you would grow to love it, too. And, um, uh, again, you, you bring a sense of purpose each and every day, and that purpose is shared across that entire team. So thanks to you and the team for the great work that you're doing. Well, thanks for having us. Oh. 
and, and thanks to all uh, who are listening and for all the great work you're doing each and every day. If you have feedback, if you have suggestions for future podcasts, please feel free to email me at rstiver at iuhealth.org. And whenever, uh, wherever you're listening to this, I hope you're having a great day. Thanks.